This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, I would like to talk to you this evening, all you guys in the building, all you guys watching online, all you guys up in the balcony, I'd like to talk to you about a topic, and I'd just call it Refuse Defeat. How many of y'all like to be defeated? How many of you like to overcome? Okay, that's about half of you. What about the rest of you guys? It's like, you're not sure yet, you know? Well, I'm going to challenge you based upon God's word that we look at tonight is refuse defeat. You, you have a choice in the matter. You, you really do. And let me just share, uh, I don't know if I even put this in the, the scriptures tonight, but let me just throw out a, a scripture to you. It's in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And it just simply says, not by might, that's talking about human might, not by might, nor by power, that's human power, not by might, not by power, you know, it's what he says, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You can do things through the power of the Holy Spirit you cannot do in your human strength, in your human might. It's not by our own might or our own power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's just the truth of it. So it's just something to kind of chew on a little bit as we look into God's word here. Uh, there's a thought I had. It's the biggest, uh, the baddest obstacle of life. It stands in our way. It's the biggest, it's the baddest obstacle that stands in our way. It, it blocks our progress. It, it blocks our success. And it's, it's spelled with three letters. It's called sin. Sin is the biggest and the baddest obstacle that hinders our prayers, it hinders our progress, it blocks us, it tries to overpower us, sin tries to control us, sin tries to defeat us. Well, we're going to talk about a whole lot of areas in our life where we'll gain tremendous uh, success and, and uh, you know, progress and, and movement forward, but let me just share a little foundation based on the concept of sin. And I just want to get that, you know, a foundation in our minds of thinking about it, things you probably already know. And it says here in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, it says, half of the people, oh, oh what percentage is that? 100% of the people, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, and if you don't know this already, uh, there's two kinds of people on the earth. There's Jewish people and there's Gentiles. Gentiles are made up of everybody who's not a Jew. So this is all inclusive of everybody. And it says here, all people, 100% of them, whether Jew or Gentile, are under. That means if you were under the bed, you would be kind of like beneath the bed. Is that right? You know, you'd be below the bed, you know. All people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. It's kind of like, have you ever heard someone say, well, you're under the influence of something. And it's controlling you. And it says here, all people, 
whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. Sin does its best to overcome us and to conquer us and to control us. That's just what it tries to do. But it goes on to say in verse 10, as the scriptures say, no one is what? Good. Not even one. Now I have changed uh, folks in my family and most of the younger generation that I know if I ask them, hey, would you like something to eat when you come over to the house? They say, I'm all set. I I never heard that word until about two years ago. Because they'd say, I'm good. And I go, well, the Bible says there's none good. No, not even one. And so they came up with this new word that I can't come at them with no more. Say, I'm all set. Hmm. And then they started catching me when I was using the word good. Pastor Rogers, none good. No, not even one. Oh, touche. They got me, you know. But that's what it says here. As the scriptures say, no one is good, not even one. Now, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and this is just a little bit of foundation stuff here. He says, for all, now what percentage is that again? For all have sinned. And sin is the major obstacle in your way, in my way. It's sin. It's the major obstacle that we have to contend with while we're on this planet here. (laughs) And it says, for all have sinned. And it goes on to say, and all, what percentage is that? All fall short. Now, I wish I had something to throw to somebody here. You know, uh, I bet you could probably catch these keys if I throw them to you. You think you could? I thought you was a good catch. What happened? They fell short. And that was really my fault there. But they fell short. And that's what the Bible says about us. He says for all, 100% of us, we've all sinned and we fall short. And sin is the cause of us falling short. We never quite measure up to what God expects of us. And God expects us to become like his son Jesus. But we fall short, and it's because of sin. For we all have sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. See, we were all born with the sinful nature. From Adam and Eve, when we were born, this, this disease called sin is passed on through the blood. It's sinful blood. That's the reason Jesus, when he died, he was born of a virgin. Because the blood in a, a human being The blood is generated from the father's side. It's interesting. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Holy Spirit caused conception to take place. So Jesus did not have sinful blood flowing through his veins. So he could be a perfect sacrifice for us, you see. For all humans, we've sinned and we fall short. We fall short of the glory of God. He's what he he tells us here. And... uh, he goes on to say in Romans 6, 23, and for the wages of sin, let me see, do I have my uh, notes here still? Let me see. Oh, there it is, right there. That's what I was looking for. I got another check. I gave away three checks last week. Was that, was checks okay? Yes. hundred bucks. It worked, right? So I'm going to write another check. Okay, let me see. 
I don't know if you want this, but the first person who wants to come and get it, but it says death. I've written you a check for death. Ooh. That ain't mine. I don't want it. Right? But it says the wages. That's what you get paid. If at the end of the week or at the end of every two weeks, at the end of the month, or however it is you get paid, the scripture says here, for the wages of sin, and sin is that obstacle causing us to fall short, you know, just like ice. Ice will cause you to fall too, won't it? <laughs> and maybe some of you experienced that this year already. I don't know. But it says the wages of sin. Oh, can you imagine somebody frightening you at a big old check? Hey, uh, I'm going to give you this check. And it's just 100%. It'll make you happy. Death. Ooh, I don't want that. But the Bible says that's what we deserve. Because we've sinned. We were born in this world with sin. And we began to sin at a very, very early age on our own. One of the first words we learn as a kid is, no, mine, selfish, no. I want you to, no. That's that sinful nature, raising this ugly old head, you know. Since I know nobody wants to take a check and go home and cash it for death. I'm just going to put it in my Bible, Okay. But all of us have fallen short because of sin. And the wages, the Bible says here, of sin is death. Now, you remember a fellow by the name of Mel Blank? Yes, sir. What did he do? Like Bugs, Bunny. Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. At least we know that for sure. And then uh, he died for real. He, he really genuinely, he died. And... Uh, I thought it was so creative. I've been actually working on my personal epitaph today. I don't plan on using it for probably 30 years or so, you know, but I've been working on and I like what I've come up with because when I read this, it inspired me because he was inspired to write his own epitaph. And you know what Mel Blank put on his tombstone? That's all, folks. And you can understand why. Right? But not so. That's, that's a lie. That's not the truth. When he says, that's all, folks. I've died. I'm gone. It's over with. That's all, folks. It ain't over. It ain't all. And when you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've only just begun to live. And we'll stop right there. But we've only just begun. It ain't all. This is just the beginning. This is the foundation. Here's where we make our choice on our, our destination there. And it says here, let me go back to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free, and see, if you stop there, that's where Mel Blank went. Well, that's all, folks. It's death. But he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But, but you go, how do you get this eternal life if it's a free gift? Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You and I deserving death because we was born with sin. It was passed on from Adam and Eve to our parents and to their, you know, the parents before them and before them and before, all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so Jesus came to do something about it so we wouldn't have to experience those wages of sin. 
But he says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Lord. We're offered a pardon. You know, it's like, here's a pardon. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You, you don't owe anything. You're not guilty. Jesus Christ has given us that. Now, all these things I'm talking about now, it affects us and it impacts us in, regar- in regards to being defeated. And the devil wants you to be defeated in everything you do. That's his, his purpose, is to defeat you. That's, that's what he tries to do. Anyhow, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, it says, O death, where is your victory? You're not going to overcome me. Death. We just talked about the wages of sin. Oh, death, where's your victory? Hey, death, where is your victory? That's what he says. Let me see here. I have my bag there. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Here goes my microphone. So I can get that put back in place. Okay. He says here, Oh, death, where is your victory? Question mark. Death, where is your victory at? And then he goes on to say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, this I improvised tonight with this stinger here, okay? And I think, ouch, it, it would hurt you, but probably not as bad as a bee sting, you know, unless I just turned it as it, and you could go deeper and deeper and all. But anyhow, so this represents a stinger tonight. Oh, death, where's your victory? And, and I'm, I'm telling death right now, you ain't going to overcome me. Death, you ain't going to have victory over me. Oh, I might die physically. That's okay. I'm going to kick off my shoes and slide down them streets of gold. Meet Jesus, you know, in, in that case. But he goes on to say, Oh, death, where is your sting? How many of you are somewhat afraid of hornets or a nest of yellow jackets? How many of you, no, just be honest with me here. How many of you are afraid of butterflies? <laughs> Not nobody. Nobody's afraid of butterflies. Why? They don't have no stingers. They don't got enough, I'm afraid of butterflies. It's like, come on, light them. Oh, how pretty they are, how cute they are, you know. Oh, they're so nice and all. So, as we're reading this scripture here, oh, death, where is your sting? And then he qualifies, he says, for, the, for sin is the sting. Sin is the stinger that causes death. So, if, if you can deal with your sin... You deal with the stinger. So you probably heard me share this. I've shared this hundreds of times over the last few years. There was this dad. He was riding in the car, and his son was highly allergic to bees. Honeybee flew in a window. You know, they were going fishing or somewhere, and the little boy went berserk because he knows he ends up in the hospital if he gets stung by a bee. And his dad just reaches out and grabbed the bee. Bee stung him in the hand. Be pulled out, 
left his stinger in dad's hand just a pumping away and started flying around in the the car again, you know. And the son was going berserk. And dad said, don't you worry about that bee, son. Look at there. There's this thing. I took the stinger. That bee can't hurt you no more. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus took the stinger for you and me. He took the sin for you and me. And And we don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Because there's no stinger in it. Because of what Jesus did for us. Let me just read one more time. It says in verse 56. Oh, let me go up to verse 55. It says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. Hmm. When you remove the, the stinger, you see... Because stingers have barbs, and they just kind of keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, but when you remove that stinger, you don't have to be afraid of death no more or, or, or the, the bee anymore. And when you remove the stinger when Jesus did, you don't have to be afraid of death no more. Uh, there's nothing else to fear. Now, there again, you think about it. How many of you like to play with stingers? You get a a jar full of yellow jackets, you know, they're all around your picnic and they're just fine. You, you catch them. How many of you want to just, oh, let me grab one of couple. I was going to play with their stinger. You like the idea of playing with stingers? <laughs> Same thing as playing with sin. There's consequences to stingers. It gets feminine and it hurts. You know, some people are highly allergic to it. And, and we shouldn't want to play with sin either because there are consequences to playing with sin. Lots of people think, hey, it ain't going to bother me. But you're mistaken. The consequences of playing with sin, it does bother us. There's a guy, I really used to watch this guy. I liked to watch this guy. His name was Irwin. Uh, who? Steve Irwin, you know. What's the last thing he ever played with? A stingray. stingray. He was being videoed, playing with a stingray. You know, swimming down underwater with him. And the stingray has a stinger like a bee, but a lot larger. And the stingray forced the stinger through his chest into his heart. And he pulled it out and he died on the spot. You can't play with stingers. There are consequences. You know, people go, well, I didn't know it was a stinger. Does a bee care if you know or not? He's going to sting you if he gets a chance to, you know. And some bees, you know, they, they're ornery. They'll chase you, you know, to sting you. I think they get some kind of weird pleasure out of it or something or another. But we don't want to play with stingers. No more. Once we've learned about them, you know, verse 57 says how we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death. And how do we get victory? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we prevail, we overcome, we triumph because Jesus took the stinger. Jesus died for my stinger. That was going to separate me from life. Jesus took the stinger when he was on the cross. He took our sin. He paid for our sin. 
And so we're forgiven. It's awesome. It's amazing. This is the good news I'm talking about. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, it says, I'm writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. My sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. How many of you, honest to goodness, genuinely, are thankful that all your sins have been forgiven? It's like, wonderful. Thank you, Lord. He took the, the stinger. And, and, and we don't have to accept the consequences of death. He's taking the stinger. It, it no longer has its venom that it can just pump into our lives anymore. So he goes on to say in verse 14, I have written to you who are young because you're strong. I've written to you who are young because you're strong. You know, even the youth can be strong. You do know that. And sometimes the youth is stronger than the older folks. You know that too, right? And he goes on to say, he says, I've written to you who are young because you're strong with God's word living in your hearts. Ah, you are strong, young folks, because you got God's word living in your heart. Without God's word living in your heart, it's just like Papa ain't got no spinach. You know how he got his, his strength from eating his spinach? You know, and he says that. Now listen to him one more time. I've written to you who are young because you're strong with God's word living in your hearts. That's why we gain unbelievable strength because God's word living in our heart and we can just continue to hide it in our heart. And listen to what he says here. Powerful passage. You probably can quote it, but it's so powerful. It says in John 15, 7, and I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, if you, and this is Jesus talking to us, if you remain in me, if, if we remain in a close relationship with Jesus, if you remain in me, and, and my words, that's the Bible, and my words remain in you. You remain in a close relationship with me, and my word remains in you. You're reading it, you're hearing it, you're memorizing it, you're speaking it, you're singing it. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. That is, if we are vitally united, vitally, absolutely united, you understand something being united? Let me see here. I have something here. Anybody know what this is right here? Jello. Now you don't say, oh, that's a cup of gelatin and water and strawberries and peaches and sugar and some other stuff. You don't say, oh, you got a little cup of that. You, you call it what? Jello. Jello because it is absolutely united. You know that, right? Don't even talk about that. No, I think it's gluten-free. My wife wouldn't buy it for me if it wasn't. Would you? No. Okay. She gives me some little peaches like this. It's not jello. And you can't open that top without it squirting peach juice on you. You know, these are a lot better. You know, but I would say that this stuff is absolutely united. Would you say so? The strawberry, this flavoring, all the gelatin and the sugar that's in there and all that other stuff there and the peaches that's in there. It is absolutely 
united. <laughs> I almost forgot, but I carry one of these in case I ever need it. You know what I'm saying? Let me see. Mm-hmm. It's getting united in my tummy. But tell me something. If you just had the privilege of just eating a whole cup full of gelatin, nothing else, just gelatin, and I hear it's made out of cow hooves grounded up. Would that be good? I don't think so. I am so sorry that I don't have enough to share with everybody. I just want you to understand how good things are when they are absolutely united. Mm. 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 Now, they're united in me. Becomes one with me. Listen to what the scripture says. If you remain in relationship with Christ, if you remain in relationship with me, and my words remain in you, just like this jello is in me, but, but the word gets in your eyes and your ears, into your mind, and gets into your heart. And you become one with the word. And he says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, that is, if we are vitally, which means absolutely united, and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish. I mean, that's a blank check. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Oh, man. Jesus said that. Now, does that sound like the recipe for defeat? If you're united with Christ and his word is united in you, he says you can ask for anything and it's going to be done for you. I'm talking about you can have victory. He's already taken the sting for us. So we're not going to have to deal with the consequences of that stinger, which leads to eternal death. That's what it does, and complete separation from the Almighty God. Now let me go back over here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. It says, I have written to you who are young because you are strong, with God's word lifted in your hearts. And you have, what's that next word? And you have, and that's not talking about this. It's talking about this. That's victory. And you have, because you got God's word living in your heart, you have won your battle with Satan. I'm talking about, I am no longer a sinner. I'm a winner. And there's a big difference between the two. Now, I've, I know people, you're just an old sinner saved by grace, and I disagree with that. Have always, since I read my Bible, I don't believe that no more. I just don't. I don't. Because the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's in a relationship with Christ, he becomes a, a new creature. Old things have passed away. That old sinful nature. 
off, things have become new. I may sin occasionally, and I'll confess my sins to God. And he forgives me and cleanses me, and he helps me become more and more like Christ. I'm not just an old sinner controlled by sin, and there's just no difference in any way I was many, many years ago. That's not true. See, I used to, when I was in Bible school with Susan, I used to work at a typewriter shop, and I fixed typewriters and things like that. And I did that the last year I was in high school. I worked in a typewriter repair shop, and I fixed typewriters and had machines and calculators and all that kinds of stuff. Now, when I went to school, and you know, Susan and I got married, and then went to Bible school together, came up here, and I became a pastor. Every once in a while, somebody on the staff said, Pastor Ron, could you fix my typewriter? And guess what? I could. I fixed their typewriter for them. Now, that is no longer my occupation. I could fix a typewriter, but it ain't my occupation, and I don't want to do it anymore, to be honest with you, unless it was just an emergency. But see, I was, that was my occupation, a typewriter repairman. That's what I used to do. And see, once upon a time, I was a sinner. That's who I was. That's what I did. But I become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. That's what the Bible says. It says I become a partaker of his divine nature. Okay, so I might sin occasionally. And he says if you sin, you confess your sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong. So I might have done that. But that's not who I am anymore. I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I'm a child of the king. You know, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And see, if, if you believe that, you're not going to live in defeat. If the devil can get you to think, you ain't no different than you ever was. You're just an old defeated sinner, and that's the way you're going to stay. He tries to defeat us with thoughts like that. But there's so many scriptures in the Bible that tells me, I partake of his divine nature, you know. A new creature in Christ. All things, all those things are, are, are done with. Anyhow, so I refuse defeat. Does the devil ever try to put defeated thoughts in your mind? Ever try to bring it into the past? If, even when you're doing pretty good and it's all of a sudden you can sit down and he tries to bring up something in the past to make you, uh, try to steal your joy away from you. He tries to defeat you up here and he tries to get that down in here but we need to know what God's word says. And how will we ever know what God's word says? Listen to what it says right here. Uh, in Psalms 119, verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart. You know, it's like, here's an ink pen. I'm going to hide it in my pocket. Now, you don't see it, but I can pull it out anytime I need to. And when I hide God's word in my heart, you don't necessarily see it, but I can pull it out anytime I need it. And I need it quite often, to be honest with you. But he says here, I've hidden your word in my heart. Wow. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm not going to play with the stinger anymore. I've already done that. And there's been consequences to it, hasn't there? I ain't going to play with the stinger no more. I've hidden God's word in my heart. And it enables me to be victorious. It enables me to conquer and to triumph because I've hidden his word in my heart that I'll not sin against him 
anymore. That's what, it's, what he tells us right here in his word, you know, that I might not sin against you. Um, R.A. Torrey said, prayer is the key. And you understand, keys unlock things. It's a positive thing. Keys unlock things, wonderful things. He says, prayer is a key that unlocks all the storehouses. R.A. Torrey said this, prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. Oh, his grace and his power is, is open. I want his grace. That's his enabling power. And all the power of his Holy Spirit is unlocked unlock, uh, through prayer. And he goes on to say, all that God is and that God has is available to us through, what was the key? Prayer. R.A. Tory, godly person, is all that God is and that God has is available to us through prayer. It's difficult to give in to temptation while praying. While you're praying, it's difficult to give in to temptation. If you just abandon prayer and you don't really commune, he said, if you, if you abide in me, in relation with me, you'll be praying, you'll be talking. My word about it, you can ask for anything. And it's going to be done. But R.A. Torrey says it's difficult to give in to temptation while praying. Now listen to what it says here in Luke chapter 22. And this kind of bears his little uh, statement out. Luke chapter 22 verse 39 says, Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room, the upper room, and he went to went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And that's where he'd go and pray. And there he told them, the disciples, pray. Jesus told his disciples, pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. Now, he wasn't saying to pray, oh, Lord, please don't let me be overcome by temptation. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be overcome by temptation. He's not saying pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. He's saying pray. Exclamation mark. then you're not going to be overcome by temptation. When you're in a close, intimate relationship with God and you're in, in communicating with him and, and you're talking, here he told them, pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. And he walked away. I'm going to try to get this right. You know what that was? That was a stone throw. And he says he walked away about a stone's throw. About that far. I could have thrown it to the back, but I might actually hit somebody. Then we'd have to all come and pray for you. But we got a social distance, so we, it'd be difficult. So I figured I'd just throw it toward Rennie instead. He walked away about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. Jesus practiced what he preached. He was telling people to pray, and he did it. He actually prayed his own self. Verse 42, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Now he knew what was ahead of him. He knew he was going to go to the cross. They were going to beat him, and he was going to be crucified, and he was going to die. He knew it all. 
And even Jesus, he didn't like the idea of hurting and feeling the pain. Father, if, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, it's just, he, he, he didn't want to leave it right there. He said, yet I want your will, not mine. And then the angel from heaven appeared and did what? Strengthened him. I'm going to tell you. When you pray, the strengthening angel comes to you to help you. When you don't pray, you're pretty much on your own. You don't get that extra boost of strength. Jesus went to pray and the angel came to him and strengthened him for what lied ahead for him. And see, when you and I take the time to pray, a strengthening angel comes our way. That's what they're sent to do, to strengthen us and enable us to help us, whatever it is that we're dealing with. It comes and he strengthens us, you know. Remember, holiness is not freedom from temptation. Okay? To be holy, to be Christ-like is a very wonderful, fantastic thing. But it don't give us freedom from temptation. Was Jesus ever tempted? For 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted. Yet he never gave in to sin. Holiness is power to overcome temptation. So if, as we become more and more like Christ, we can say, no, I ain't going to play with stingers no more. How many ever been sung by a bee? How many of you want to go play with a bee? Every hand went down. Whoa. And you know what? If we've been stung by the consequences of sin, we don't want to play with that sin no more because it hurts. It genuinely does. This is what it says in 1 John 5, 4. In the New Living Translation, it says, for every, and what percentage is that? 100%. For every child of God, that means you've been born again, you've been saved. Whatever term you want to use, but you have a relationship with Almighty God because of what Jesus did. He died on a cross for your sins. He took the stinger away for you. For every child of God. How many children of God? Every one of them. Now everybody on the planet is not a child of God until you ask him into your heart and you receive him into your life, you see. It says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. No longer are we going to be defeated by it, no matter what craziness is going on in it. He says, every child of God, he says, defeats this evil world. Did, did y'all read something like that? Every child of God? It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But I, I get defeated sometimes. It's because sometimes we listen to the lies. Sometimes we believe the devil. Sometimes we play with stingers, you know, and things like that. But he says every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this, what? We achieve this victory. We conquer through our faith. And faith comes by what? We hear God's word and it produces faith in us. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Question mark. Who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It is a choice. 
I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I read it right here. He is the Son of God. He did die for me. He took sin. The sting of sin went into his body. He took the full load of that poison there. He died. He gave his life for three days. And then he rose from the dead. He genuinely did for me and, and for you. And he says, who in verse 5, 1 John 5, 5, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now this is going to help you defeat. You defeat the evil that comes against you is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And what he said is true. He said, if I abide in a relationship with him, and his word abides in me, I can ask what I will, and it'll be done. He says I can do that. Now, practice is probably a good thing for us to do because we have to practice everything. How many of you have to practice before you get your driver's license? How many of you should have your driver's license still taken away from you? <laughs> you haven't been practicing, you know. I'm teasing you there. Maybe. You're not going to say that because there might be some policemen in here watching you. and uh, They might agree with you. Okay, anyhow. So we hide God's word in our heart and we win the battle. We win the battle against this world. We, we won't be playing with stingers no more when we hide God's word in our heart. And he says that we can win the battle against the world, but only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John 16, says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, you know, troubles and tribulations and all that. But he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. <laughs> I have not succumbed to defeat. I've overcome the world, Jesus says, and we're to follow his example. And you and I can overcome the world too. We can say no to the temptations of sin that come against us, tries to get that venom from the stinger into us. So we'll reap the consequences of that, you know. Now you think about it for a moment. It looked a whole lot like poverty had overcome Jesus at his birth. He was born in a stable. No little motel, you know, no, nobody had an extra room for him. Jesus was born. It looks like he was really defeated by extreme poverty because he was born in a stable amongst a bunch of animals, smelling like animals and all that kinds of stuff. And it looked like Jewish anger and wrath and hostility had conquered Jesus when they nailed him to the cross. It looked like that. But I'm going to tell you, that's not so. He was not full of poverty. He was not three kings came from thousands of miles on a camel to bring him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Be, because of who he was and the stars shone over where he was born. The heaven and the earth welcomed him here, you know, in an amazing, uh, you know, miraculous situation. And when Jesus went to that cross, you know, it, it looked like hostility. It looked like that was the end of Jesus, but not so. That was part of the Father's 
plan. Jesus was not defeated there. That had to be done so he could, he could take the stinger for everybody. Like the dad who grabbed the bee and got the stinger in him and the boy didn't have to worry about the stinger no more. Jesus took the stinger so you and I don't have to worry about it no more. And it looked like Jesus was defeated. It looked like Jesus was defeated. It surely did so much of the time. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, he rose from the dead on the third day. He triumphed and he is alive right now. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants a relationship with me. He genuinely does. He loves us. He's crazy about us. And just because it might have looked like he was defeated, he was never defeated. Ever. Not even for one second. Part of the Father's plan was what it was. Now on one occasion, Michelangelo, he turned to his fellow artist and he said with frustration in his voice, why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures on the one theme of Christ and his weakness? Christ on the cross and most of all, Christ hanging on the cross dead. And Michelangelo, he, he spoke to all the artists that he had any influence over their life. He said, why do you do this? Why are you doing this? Why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were the last work? Because it wasn't the last work. As if it was a curtain dropped down there on the disaster and defeat. This is what Michelangelo told all of his friends who are artists. That dreadful scene lasted only a few hours, but to the unending eternity, Christ, Michelangelo said, Christ is alive. Christ rules and reigns. Christ triumphs. He was not defeated, though it might have looked like he was defeated where he was born and how he lived and what happened when he died. It might have looked like he was defeated, but it was all part of God's awesome, fantastic, amazing plan. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, look, this is Jesus talking to us. Look, I have given you authority over all. What percentage is all? I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. If you're in relationship with Christ, you remain in relationship with him, his word remains in, in you, you can ask what you want. And it will be done. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus says, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Over all of it. 100% of the power of the enemy. Jesus, I've given you authority over it. And you can walk among snakes. And I'm thinking he's talking about the ones that ain't got no legs and the ones that travel around on two legs. There are some snakes like that too. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Defeat them beneath your feet, Jesus said. And nothing... No thing will injure you. So said Jesus. Jesus, I'm giving you this authority that I have. And ain't nothing going to injure you. These things aren't going to hurt you. They're not going to defeat you. In verse 20, he, he clarifies something. He says, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. And they will. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. And they skedaddle right away. 
But Jesus said, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. I am registered and I am certified as a citizen of heaven. I don't know if you know that or not, but I am certified and I am registered. My name is on the roll and he's expecting me one of these days, probably a long time from now because we hang out together every day already. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. It says, don't let evil conquer you. Will evil conquer you if you let it? If you let it, you know. If you let it, it's going to conquer you. If you let it, don't let it. The Bible says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by what? By doing good. Doing evil, don't conquer evil, but you doing good. You living Christ-like. You, you, you living a life like Jesus would you're going to conquer evil. You're only going to defeat you. You're going to defeat the evil. That's what he's talking about right here. Booker T. Washington once said, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles that he has overcome while trying to succeed. Have you overcome any obstacles? Now, that's what matters. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ helps us to overcome. What? Anything. Everything. Helps us to conquer. We read a scripture about this the last three weeks. I don't know if you know what it is or not, but I would challenge you to go find it. But I tell you, it's in the Passion Bible. That's where we read it at, about how we can conquer all the difficulties. That's just the truth of it. You probably got the right buck. All the little trials and obstacles are working for us. You mean the trials you're going through right now and the little uh, things that's going on in your life? You, you, you mean they can work for you? How would you like it to work for you instead of working against you? Anyhow, this article I came across, and then we'll see it bore out in the scriptures if we have time. All the little trials and obstacles are working for us, giving us a chance to grow stronger and wiser. The victories over <clears throat> minor problems build our faith for the big challenges yet to come. David, you remember he took out Goliath with a sling. You remember that? But you know where he learned how to do that? He learned to have courage because the Bible says he did it because he had on a regular basis taken out the mountain lions and the wolves and the bears that tried to steal his sheep. And he had a sling and he would not run from them. He would run to them and he would kill the lions and the bears and the wolves that tried to kill his sheep. And the scripture tells us David was able to handle Goliath because he had experienced dealing with bears and lions. So have you had some experience with a few little problems here or there? And it might just be preparing you for something yet to come. That's what I've been reading in my Bible anyhow. And if we can't handle the minor league inconveniences, think about it. We won't be able to handle the major league stuff. Listen to what it says here in my Bible in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Unless you're faithful in 
small things. You won't be faithful in large things. You learn how to be faithful with little things, and then you can be faithful with the big things. And David learned how to deal with bears and lions that was eating his sheep, and he was able to deal with a Goliath, a massive warrior, because he'd been faithful in the little things, and he is faithful in now in the big things. Listen to what it says here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. It says, and I want you to know. Now, is he hiding this from us? No. no. He says, I want you to know. I want you to know this. Wake up. I want you. Hey, wake up. I want you to know this, dear friends, that everything. Now, what percentage is everything? Everything that has happened to me. Can you imagine you say that? Everything has happened. Oh, it's been a lot of stuff has happened to me. I want you to know, dear friends, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. I've been beaten. I've been put in prison. I've been shipwrecked. I was stoned and, and left for dead. And they came around and prayed. And I just got up and finished my sermon. He said, all these little things happened to me. It helped me to share the gospel in a more powerful way. You mean that God could work all them little inconveniences? He could work them together for something good in my life? That's exactly what I'm talking about. He absolutely, positively could. See, we can't really expect to escape life without some kind of problems, you know? Have any of you had a problem? Just about everybody here. And if you haven't, you live long enough, you'll have one or two, you know? It's so important for us to recognize those little things are not going to destroy us. When you're in relationship with Christ and his word is abiding in your heart and you're hiding it in your heart. That's just what he said. I want you to know, dear friends, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Woohoo! Dealing with lions and bears strengthened David's faith so he could deal with a Goliath one day. And the things that have gone on in our life is helping us deal with what we're going to have to deal with tomorrow. He says it here, a familiar passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for our present troubles, lions and bears, for our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long because I'm going to take them out. So David would say, there's one lion. This is going to make a nice rug in front of my fireplace, you know. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. Oh, that lion and that bear is going to give me target practice, and then when I have to deal with this Goliath of a guy, I'm going to be a good shot. That's what he's talking about here. Man, our time is up, and I, I just got through the introduction. I'm telling you. I'm talking about refuse defeat. And I'm going to stop here because I'm going to open a whole can of worms how we do it. So we'll continue that next week. But I want you to be thinking about this. It's like, I ain't going to listen to the devil no more. I'm not going to be defeated. I am not. And, and you can go and look at, on, if you have the uh, version Bible on your cell phone, and it's free, it don't cost you a penny. It's just an app you can put on there. All these translations of the Bible. And you can look there and look at what? 
events. And you can look at Faith Living Church. And I've already downloaded them and sent my scriptures that I was teaching on tonight. And they're there. So you can, wherever you're at in the world, if you just go to events on your version Bible, it'll show you the scriptures. And you can get a sneak preview of the scriptures I'm going to use next week. You better not do that, though. Now, you can do that if you want to. I think it's fantastic, you know. But there is so much here that God's teaching us that he don't want us to be defeated. He wants us to be victorious. He wants us to conquer. He wants us to overcome. That's what he tells us in his word. That's what he wants for you. What about a time such as this? We're Especially for times like this. We are to overcome and refuse defeat. Defeat ain't coming toward me. Defeat ain't coming to me and my family. Defeat ain't going to come to me and my kids. Defeat ain't going to come to me and my finances, my health, my, my relationships and all. Defeat is not going to get the best of me because of what Christ has done for us. I'm just telling you that God loves you. He loves you like you love your own children. Do you want your own children defeated? And God don't want you defeated. If, if there's a, a, a mean old animal out there in the woods, you think God will be delighted if it eats up your kids? Do you want it to eat your kids? No. no. And I ain't going to let it eat my kids, you know. I'm not going to let it happen because I know something, and we can't go there, but I want to so bad. I do know that greater is someone who lives in me than the devil is in this world. I know that. And I happen to believe everything he says right here. And you hide it in your heart. And then you begin to pray. And whatever you're asking for is going to happen to you. That's what he says. In dozens of places, that's what he says. Well, I'm on page six and I got 12 pages of notes there. So I better stop right now because it might be snowing before you get out. I don't know. It might already be. And Susan's got to get a lot of rest for tomorrow morning to get up that mountain, you know. Right. Okay. Well, I want to pray for you. So let's just bow our heads if we could, and if you would join me up here. Well, Papa God, we come before you right now, and I ask that you de declare it true in the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl who's in this building, who's in the balcony, who's out there in different homes or wherever they might be. I ask that you would cause it to become a reality that they can refuse defeat, that you have destined them to overcome. You have destined them to be a conqueror, more than a conqueror, that you have destined them to have victory in their life. And I ask that you work a miracle in our minds, almighty God, this night, that you would work a miracle in our thinking and you'd work a miracle in all the rest of who we are, that we would choose to be victorious instead of defeated. That we'll stop playing with stingers because we don't want them to affect us the way that poison affects when you get stung by a bee. We don't want that venom. Christ already took that for us. So we don't have to have all that taking place in us. Give us victory, almighty God, I ask. And as our heads are bowed, I would ask everyone who is here or those who are joining us online, and thank you so much for joining us. I want you to pray with me and reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've never declared your faith. Declare your faith tonight for the very first time then as we pray together. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. So would you pray along with me right now? 
Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And he took the stinger. And he took the stinger. The sin. The sin. To set me free. To set me free. He gave his life. He gave his life. And on the third day, and on the third he day, rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And gave me victory. And gave me victory. He's knocking at the door of my heart. He's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my soon coming King. And my soon coming King. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I receive your pardon. I receive your pardon. Help me to walk in victory. Help me to walk in victory. And to share such a walk. And to share such a walk. With others that come across my path. With others that come across my path. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.